Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode three of the Adventure Audio Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and thank you, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate it. It means a lot to us. Today, we had the pleasure of speaking with Chris McDougall. Chris is the author of Born to Run, which has become a really iconic book in the running and endurance sport community. Uh, Chris is really largely credited with the barefoot running and minimalist running shoe craze that has hit North America and a lot of the world over the last decade. He also wrote a book called Natural Born Heroes and has most recently authored a book called Running with Sherman. We had the absolute pleasure of speaking with Chris today. Wonderful guy, very insightful. We really enjoyed the conversation. We had a couple of glitches with our audio recording, so please bear with us as there's a, there's a few spots where we had to kind of edit it and clip out and uh, work around some things and make sure that it sounded okay. Uh, Chris, uh, you know, b- between recording between Pennsylvania, Montana, and Alberta, Canada, we had, uh, you know, it's logistically challenging, but we loved our conversation with Chris, and we hope that you enjoy it too, and we look forward to having him on again soon. Thanks, and we hope you enjoy the show. much for joining us uh we really appreciate it and uh, as tyler was saying before before we started recording it seems like you've been uh what's where's your book tour taking you oh man just about everywhere it started in the uk i did a couple cities um in the uk and then really all across the u.s up and down the west coast midwest east coast i think we did uh 50 some events in about 60 days amazing amazing and a lot of a lot of group runs yeah yeah that's the kind of hectic thing about it is that you have to coordinate these runs and often they're point to point so you got to figure out how to get from a running store to a bookstore and then be ready to sort of hit the microphone the second you arrive. So it's probably not a big deal for people who actually work for a living, but you know, for a writer, this is a way more strategic thinking than I'm ever used to doing. Uh, that's great. That's great. Um, so, you, so all these events, you did some running with a group of people as well. Oh, I'm sorry, what, what was that? Uh, so Tyler? all these events you were doing, you are also doing uh, running with, with a groups of people also. Is that, was that part, all part of it? Or yeah. Have, 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 yeah. I mean, that's one of the lucky you? things that I know. <laughs> well, actually, we are, we are taking Sherman tomorrow. The one oh, cool. and only event that I'm bringing Sherman to will be tomorrow in Harrisburg. And uh, I was dragging my heels. I was kind of against it, but I, I was talked into it. Um, you know, I, I think it's when you're around donkeys for a long time, they're not that special to you anymore. You know, it's just it's the thing, you know, in the backyard. But uh, I forgot that it's really special for other people. So uh, the, the, uh, the bookstore hosting the event was really eager for me to bring Sherman out. So I, I finally buckled and said, all right, man, I will put the king in the trailer oh, and bring him out to so greet cool. his people. That is so cool. Uh, can you tell us how you met Sherman for the first, first time? Yeah, it was really, really weird set of circumstances. Um, you know, we live way out in the countryside in rural Pennsylvania. And I'm not a country guy by upbringing. You know, I grew up in Philly and was always a downtown guy. So we moved out here just on kind of a whim, my wife and I. And then when my youngest daughter turned nine for her birthday, she asked for a donkey. You know, she wanted a donkey. And I kind of knew where she got the idea from. We'd met a woman 
in the woods who was riding her saddle donkey up a trail about a year earlier. So I, I knew that idea had been kind of brewing in my daughter's mind. And I thought, you know, it's actually kind of cool. Like, you know, donkeys are kind of kid size. They're kind of little. They're kind yeah. of stable, better than a horse. So I started asking around. And one of my neighbors told me that he knew about a guy who was a hoarder. He had a donkey locked in a stall. Everybody was dying to get this donkey out of there. And so maybe this is the perfect solution. You know, maybe we show up. We want a donkey. They want to get this donkey free. And that's how we, we got him. And the first time we saw him, he was in horrible shape, really miserable shape. And that really began this whole adventure of trying to heal him and revive him and, and turn him into a long distance racing donkey. So at what point, at what point did you realize that he could have some sort of athletic pursuit in him? And, it, and it also, at what point did this start to masticize into a book in your mind? You know, it's it's surprising how quickly it came together in my head versus when we out of that hoarder's barn and house and under full daylight when we all like what horrible condition he was in. You know, his hooves were so outgrown he, he could barely move. And the people who were helping us nurse him said, look, you, you can't just leave him out in the field. You know, you got to give him something to do. He needs, he needs something to, to uh, a reason to move every day to get out and get some exercise. So you got to come up with some job like for him. I'm like, I, I don't got a freaking yeah, I don't have a job for a donkey. Um, but what I did know about was I knew about burrow racing in Leadville, Colorado. That there's an old tradition of people running next to their donkeys for like 29 miles at a time. And I thought, all right, if I got to give this thing a job. And I got to give it some kind of exercise. Maybe, maybe that's the answer. Maybe we, we run together and go for this race. Bill, previously as well, right? I mean, that was sort of a, a bit of a central figure in your first book, right? Yeah, that's what got the idea brewing in the first place. You know, I'm, I'm confronted by this donkey. People are in my ear telling me, you got to find a way to make it exercise. And I, I could sort of flash back to about 10 years earlier, when I'd first gone to Leadville to research Born to Run, you know, that, that's where the Tarahumata had come in the early 90s to uh, take on the Leadville Trail 100 Ultramarathon. And so I, I'd come out to learn about this indigenous tribe who dominated this ultramarathon. And while I was there, people started telling me about this old tradition in Leadville of burrow racing. So I had actually done an article about burrow racing 10 years before this donkey arrived in our backyard. And my one lasting memory of that event was I will never do this again. Like, this is the worst. It's so hard. It's so unrewarding. I hate it. I'll never do it again. And then 10 years later, I'm facing this dying donkey, and people are telling me, you got to give it exercise. I'm like, oh, shit. Looks like I'm going back to Leadville. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. So what's your bond like with Sherman today? I, I love animals, so I love that. I love hearing about your connection with Sherman. Yeah. So you guys are buddies. Well, yeah, well, it's a funny thing. I, you know, I was not an animal guy. And so this was all new terrain for me. Uh, we, we first moved out here, you know, we kind of eased into it. We, we took in a couple of stray cats that we found. And then my wife took in a couple of sheep because she wanted to milk the sheep. So we, we were kind of edging into the pool slowly. But now with 
Sherman is like all of a sudden a cannonball. You're, you're taking on the most notoriously stubborn creature on earth <laughs> and trying to teach it that for some reason it actually wants to jog 29 miles next to you. So it was, it was a steep learning curve, but you know, you know the thing is Tyler, I think that um, I, but what I've been finding is that people who like animals have a real gift. You know, it's not just that they like them, but they have a, a talent. And it wasn't natural to me. I really had to learn that way of communicating. Wow. Wow. And how do you guys communicate? You know, I, I tell you, I, my, my hope is that there are some real transferable skills from this story for other people's lives. Because, you know, at first it started kind of like as, as, as a joke, you know, um, people who were helping me with donkeys would tell me things like, you know, lesson number one is anything you want a donkey to do, you got to make him think he thought of it first. <laughs> And, you know, it's kind of funny, and you know, it, it applies basically to every every husband on the planet. Um, so it was, it was kind of like a running joke for a while, but then I started to realize it's actually kind of yeah. true. Like, how many situations do you get into in your life where you feel like you're communicating everything you need to? You feel like you're completely in the right, and yet you've got some kind of a logjam. And I, I started to actually try to apply these lessons. You know, how to communicate with a stubborn nonverbal creature. I tried to apply that to other things in my life too. You know, these other in an argument or a confrontation. And you've got to just throttle back, take a breath and start to listen and observe instead of just steamrolling ahead. That's great. That's great. Uh, good for you. Yeah, we could I'm sure we could all learn from Sherman. For sure. And, te- and technically, well, you what know, did funny. you need so, to learn about you know, it's kind of funny running is, with uh, the donkey? Like, is he? Are you just holding like a rope? Like, what are you doing? How does that work? Uh, you know, you guys, you guys should come down here and try it because I think for anybody athletically minded, it's a whole new level of the game. Because I think as athletes, we have to focus on. Number one, ourselves, you know, our own fitness, our own conditioning. And number two, maybe a teammate, somebody you're, you're playing off of, you know, the, um, in, in any kind of team situation, you've also got to play to the strengths and weaknesses of your teammates. Then you take a third level where the teammate is now feeding off of you. So when I started running with the donkeys, my thought was, okay, I got to be the alpha dog here and I got to sort of be in charge of this herd and get them to do what I want. But then what I found was that they were actually reading signals off of me. So it wasn't about me giving orders. It was about me leading in a way that my own behavior became the catalyst for everything that was going to happen next. So here's a concrete example. So if you're running up a hill with a donkey, a long, steep hill, what I would notice is whenever I started to suck wind and pant, the donkey would stop. And I thought my role was to, well, I'm just going to have to be tougher and louder and get this donkey to move. But what it turned out, what was happening was the donkey, as soon as it heard me breathing heavily to him, that's a sign of distress. Like when somebody pants, that means they're scared or nervous or something bad's happening. So they would hear that panting and they would interpret it as distress, as danger. And they would stop to find out, well, what the hell is going on? Why is this guy breathing so hard? So what I had to do was learn how to keep my breathing under control. I had to like, like pre-game, the bottom of the hill, I had to suck wind hard in order to fill my lungs so I could hopefully get to the top of this hill before I started gasping again. So little things like that gets you so 
into the challenge in ways I'd never, never thought of before. Interesting. And had you had now before meeting Sherman, had you been thinking that your, that your next book was going to be that running was going to be a, a central theme again in your next book? No, no, I really didn't. And this experience really taught me something about writing as well. Uh, kind of a really important lesson. I, I think um, I got lucky with Born to Run in that I found myself kind of like plunged into an adventure that I was intrigued by. It just kind of swept me along. What I started to realize from that process is that on a natural born heroes, people like them so much is because I was deep in the action. You know, these were stories that involved me as a figure and I was kind of really close to it. So what I'm writing about is right under my nose. And so I had another idea for a book. Um, I was actually, I was intrigued by female big wave surfers. I was thinking, man, there's a really cool tribe of really badass women out there riding big waves and nobody's paying attention. Like that would be an awesome book. But what I realized is that it's an awesome book, but it's not, it's not my book. You know, it's just not a story I can tell. I'm too far from it. You know, I, I can't get close enough to the experience to make it good. And so I had to back away from that. And that's when uh, running with Sherman kind of started to happen around me. Once again, I found myself surrounded by a story that I didn't even have to go out and look for. 2000 and, 2009, Born to Run came out. Is that right? So I, I think that's I read right, it maybe yeah. 2010. Um, and I just was obsessed with telling everybody that I knew that they had to read that book if they had even a passing interest in because. You know, my friends who are non-runners, <laughs> they're like, well, whatever. And I'm like, no, no, no. Look, if you have even a remote interest in human physiology or, or like you have to read this book. And I was just a huge advocate for it. And it, it literally just changed my my view of running. And I guess I guess Tyler and I are both interested in that piece of your story to go backwards a little bit is um, I mean, you really were really staring at the end of your running career, right? At the start of that book. Yeah, I love that story. I love that story you've told yeah about how you used to be just start every second or third day you'd run two three miles and you got injured and they finally gave it up and yeah can you share part of that story with us sure yeah you know i wouldn't even call it a running career i think that i was just trying to huff out a few miles i was just trying to do the basic minimum physical requirement to not be you know, morbidly obese. That's basically, that was my goal in life. Uh, and I just kept getting, I kept getting injured all the time. And, you know, I, kind of jumping ahead a little bit, I think that's the reason why Born to Run really resonated with people was because it, I think it came at them from a perspective that a lot of people shared. You know, you know, we're just trying to work out a little bit. Why is it so hard? Why is it so unpleasant? You know, why do I got to try and force myself to do it? And so that to me was a starting point of Born to Run, starting point of Born to Run was, I just want to run a little bit, man. Why, why do I got to buy fancy shoes? Why do I got to keep going to the podiatrist? Why do I got to keep getting these cortisone shots? And I'm not trying to compete in the Tour de France. I'm just trying to, like, you know, run a few miles a week. And, and that was it. And so I think what hopefully the experience opened up for people is 
there's another way. There's another way to approach this. More natural, more relaxed, happier, more joyful. And it's easy to get and doesn't cost you any money. Yeah. Yeah. It just the, the whole part, the, the part that resonated with me and with um, and the, the reason that I advocated it so much, it's, it's a really fun story. But to go beyond that, like what's really interesting is that you really delve into the fact that this is this is what we're built for. We're 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 endurance machines and we've completely lost our way in that and we've become sedentary because of the luxuries we've built around ourselves. But then you go and you find this simpler tribe of people living in, in the way that we have ancestrally and they are running and walking massive distances to what a regular person would consider and they're doing it well into into old age, right? And that's what was really fascinating to me. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I, th- I think this is something that really deserves more examination. I think there's a period, maybe right around the 70s, where I feel like sports changed from something that was fun and recreational into something that was marketed by fear. And you can almost remember like – what it was the ABC Wire World of yep. Sports? Oh yeah, remember the, you know, the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat, and you saw all those images of like ski jumpers yeah. like crashing, right? And I feel like right around that time, we started to think of sports as something that was really dangerous. Like that was when Rocky came out too. Like if you're a boxer, you're gonna get your face punched in. You know, if you're a skier, you're gonna wreck and crash. And you know, if you're a runner, you're gonna get hurt. You better buy the right shoes and. Suddenly, I don't know, man, maybe it's, my, maybe it's my own imagination, but I feel like when I was growing up as, as a kid in the early 60s, and early 70s, you know, sports was just what you did. Everyone played a game, you ran around, it wasn't dangerous, it was fun. Then all of a sudden, I just kept feeling like we're seeing image after image of people getting hurt, and you're always told you better buy this or you're going to get hurt. You better do it right or you're going to get hurt. And I think it really started to change our self-perception of – humans as being kind of fragile you know kind of fragile and weak as opposed to kind of robust and indestructible and to me like that's that's the note that born to run was hitting was that you know dude we're animals like every other animal you know we're no weaker than any like cheetah or any like mountain lion we're we're as, we're as strong as they are you just got to tap back into it totally and we have different set of strengths right we're actually as a running animal we're actually quite slow yet we're built to be able to go all day right so that's something that always really stuck with me um that and the at some point in that book there's the exploration of where you peak as an endurance athlete but how long it takes for that to level back off right and it's something like 63 years old but it takes you to to be equivalent of what you were at when you were like 18 which is really interesting yeah yeah, there's a lot of those those strands. I think that I, the dominant note had to do with what we're good at as animals. You know, if you look, if you watch TV on a Sunday, what you're going to see is sports invented by dudes for dudes to watch other dudes do while we're watch, laying on a sofa. You know, yeah. <laughs> all, all Sunday afternoon is soccer, football, basketball, right? And these are all power sports. They're all about bulk and testosterone. But you know these these are games that dudes invented for themselves. They're not they're not activities that humans are naturally really good at compared to other animals. So you know compared to other species, we're not very fast. We're not very strong. You know you could put Dwayne Johnson in a cage with a gorilla, 
and only the gorilla is coming back out again. You know, like we, we're not strong at all compared to other animals. We're not fast. We can't swim very well. We can't fly. But when it comes to endurance, when it comes to um, cooperation and adaptation, those three things, we kick ass. So you look at Alex Honnold. You work his way up um, a sheer rock wall. That's endurance. It's adaptability. It's cooperation. You know, he's learning from other, what other people have done. He's collaborating. He's brainstorming. You know, Honnold didn't do that himself. He collaborated with lots of people who went before him. So in those three aspects, endurance, cooperation, and adaptability, humans dominate. We're the very best. And where those three things come together are in things like distance running, um, distance swimming, rock climbing, parkour. These are the activities that humans are good at. And they're good at it for a really long time. Like you can keep going and going into your sixties and still be pretty right. good. And you explore parkour and the concepts behind that. And that sort of elasticity and stuff in uh, natural born heroes. Right. Yeah. And that became like the natural outgrowth. You know, I had looked at distance running and born to run. And then I thought, yeah, it'd be kind of cool to widen the focus a little bit and see where other activities fall under this umbrella. Uh, Tyler, I'm kind of wondering about cycling. You know, is there a huge disparity between men and women uh, in the upper ranks of cycling? I mean, have they have women bridged the gap at all, or is it still pretty much um, male dominated? Uh, no, no, no. They have a chance. a chance, and I think it's a lot like running. Like the longer the distance, the 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 closer they become. Um, the 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 big the uh, less of a less of a dominance the men have. I think in some of the shorter distances, men are typically a bit stronger. Um, but then as, if, as the longer the endurance, the, uh, the closer it gets. Yeah. Which is really cool to see. It was super I, was, cool to see. I was really, I was, yeah. I was really hoping that was your answer. I was really hoping that was your answer because that's what I assumed, but I, but I didn't really know. And that is perfectly uh, in fitting with the model, you know, the shorter distances, which is yeah. explosive power and bulk dudes, dudes would prevail. But even the longer distances, I'm happy to hear that even in cycling, it seems like yeah, it's, absolutely. Uh, it's, re- it's re- really cool, really cool to see. As, as we're seeing this explosion of ultra distance type events, whether they're single or multi-day or multi-multi-multi-day, definitely there's, a, there's that gap is really shrinking between genders. And in some cases, women are outright winning events. Like I think uh, Courtney Dowalter won the the race across Utah, yeah. and she won by like eight hours, which is crazy. Oh, uh, and, and you know what? It, it's now it's becoming epidemic. So, have you guys heard about uh, the big bag, big big backyard ultra marathon? What's that? It is the sickest thing that's ever been created <laughs> by a twisted mind. It is a it's a race. It is a uh, four mile loop, uh, and it's literally in a guy's like backyard. So it's like he's got access to some kind of ranch property. It's a four mile loop, and you have to w- run one loop an hour, and that's all you got to do. So you go out there, you run your four miles. Let's say you're banging out ten minutes a mile. You're done in forty minutes. You rest twenty minutes, and then you go out and do it again. Oh, this again, is the guy and again, and you keep going. Wow. This is the guy who started uh, Barclays, right? Is this Lazarus? Exactly, yeah. Lazarus Lake. Yeah. So, yeah. Once, as if, as if, as if uh, Barclay wasn't sick enough, this guy ups the scales 
So he creates big backyard. And the hideous thing about it is you don't know what the finish line is. You don't know if you're going to be running for 20 hours, 40 hours, 60 hours. So uh, according to Walter, finished second last year. And then this year, her, her good friend Maggie Guterl, uh finished first. And I, I, forget, I think she ran like 270 miles uh, and over the course of like three and a half days or something sick like that. Because you can't win until everybody else has quit. I think is how yeah. you do it. And I think the last like 50, yeah, the last 50 miles or so, it was just her and a dude. And it was just a, a death match. Her and his dude answering the call every hour on the hour until finally the dude, the dude quit and Maggie won. Oh man, that's crazy. What a, what a story. Where does that take place? He's somewhere in. I was just saying that um, it seems as though that when it, the bigger the emphasis of, is on mental toughness women are doing every bit as well as men and in many cases better i'm really i'm curious about this i'm not sure what the factor is whether it's mental um i don't really know and so i tend to i tend to my operating theory is it's not that they're actually doing better it's just that they're kind of doing the same that once you level the playing field and you give the genders a challenge that they both arrive at with the same skill set, the same toolbox, then it's not that the women are doing better. It's just, they're doing what you'd expect. You know, uh, there's a differences between the men and women are, are diminished. So women are doing good. Some days men are doing good. The other, it's just not one dominance. So I'm not sure if they're mentally tougher or just that they have an opportunity to show their stuff. Good point. Fair enough. So what's what's next for Sherman? Are you gonna is he gonna do any more races? You know, I'm really debating this because I'm at that point when you start to think, all right, what does he really want to do? Uh, I think he loves the running, and what we ended up doing was, you know, the real key to the whole thing was discovering that he uh, runs best when he's surrounded by a lot of other creatures. So we ended up tripling down. So now we have three donkeys. My wife runs with a donkey. Our friend Zeke runs with one. So we got this little herd of donkeys and humans together. So he likes the running. The problem with the racing is uh, it's, a, it's a long haul in the trailer from Pennsylvania to Colorado. And I'm, I'm questioning whether he ever really wants to make that drive again. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I hear you there. I hear you there. Maybe that, that's probably a lot for, for any animal, really. Yeah, and I think it's one of the things, you know, I'm sure you were up against it too, is that you got to start to question the cost benefit of like being involved in activity. You got to say, well, is it starting to take more of a toll on the people around me than is right, you know? And so, at what point do you take a step back and go, maybe I can't justify yeah. this anymore, you know? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, Hey, just to shift the gears a little bit, I, I and I should have asked this earlier, Chris, but um, it's funny how this all came about before you before you wrote um, wrote the book down there there in uh, Copper Canyon. You um, you were down there for a whole different story, right? You were down there on a totally different assignment, and, and this kind of fell in your lap, correct? Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. And I just think it's so wild, and like your life, is yeah, it, it totally is. Then, correct? Like, and now you're this, yeah. Yeah, yeah, really neat, really neat. 
Yeah, it was really weird. I was down there to research an article for the New York Times magazine about a Mexican pop star who was secretly like masterminding a brainwashing sex cult. So it's about as far as you can get from born and run as you can, as you can imagine. That was, that was my original assignment. And I don't know, maybe, you know, maybe it's like all of us that it takes a while. You got to kind of orbit your life's work for a while before you finally hit it. And so I was kind of, you know, sort of scanning around as a freelance writer, grabbing any story I could find. And uh, yeah, so luckily the Mexican pop star sex cult, you know, led me in the direction I really should have pursued in the first wow. place. Wow. Yeah, that's that's actually pretty remarkable, and it makes you feel that maybe there's a yeah. plan. <laughs> right. I mean, that's pretty crazy. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I. I. I yeah. I guess so. Or, or who, who knows? Maybe you know. Maybe my real purpose in life was uh, researching uh, pop star sex cults, and maybe I just strayed. There you go. That. There you go. <laughs> no, but it's amazing. I like since then. How many? You know, you went down there for this one assignment, and you know everything changed, and you wrote this story, and look at how many lives have been affected by it. And, you know, and you've gone on. To, you know, I the, I'm a I'm a I would consider myself a jogger. I go out to her. You know, kind of like the old you, just for like do whatever. Yeah, two, yeah. three, four miles. You know. Four or five well, you know, days a week, and uh, this week I, you know, you knowing we we're going to talk to you, you motivated me to try uh, like a min. I had this minimalist shoe that I use for bike packing, which is like backpacking but on a bike, and so I had these lightweight running shoes that I never ran on but just walked around on, and so I've been running in the, in those this week. These uh, New Balance like minimalist shoes, and they, you know, I uh, feel pretty good. Feel pretty good. So thank you. Tell, tell where, where uh, I live here in uh, Missoula, Montana. Missoula, Montana. Yep. Lots of trail runners and lots of great oh, trails. Man, I've always wanted to check that out. Trail running or mountain biking, and yeah, I feel pretty lucky. Oh. Hey, I'm yeah, I've you. always I've always wanted to check out. I've actually never been to Montana at all, um, but I keep hearing great things about Missoula and Bozeman, and you guys keep churning out these like great snowshoers and. Nordic skiers and trail runners. So I've, I've always just imagined it in my mind as just being this outdoor like paradise. It's, uh, it's pretty nice. It's pretty nice. I feel uh, very fortunate to live here. And yeah, it's, if you, if you like the outdoors and like, yeah, recreating in nature, it's a good place to live. That's for sure. That's for sure. But yeah, it's, it's still pretty wild. You know, there, have you, have you, branched, have you branched into winter sports? Have you gotten into like Nordic skiing or schemo? Um, you know, a little, kind of stuff? a little bit of schemo stuff. Yep. I've always been a downhill skier. Um, so I enjoy that. Um, but yeah, just getting, just getting out and enjoying the mountains. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to do. There's a lot to do, but you gotta be careful. You know, it's, it's pretty, uh, there are pockets of people, but there's a lot of just wide open wilderness wilderness. Yeah. You gotta be, you gotta be careful for sure. Especially when the bears are awake, you know? (laughs) So, but it's a, it's a fun, it's a nice place to live. I feel like I lived for a long time, actually in Boulder, Colorado, you were, you missed your talk <laughs> yeah. there at the Boulder bookstore years ago. I was out of town, but I, uh, a lot of my friends went to the, went to your book signing and listened to you talk and were really impressed. So, uh, yeah, sorry. I missed you there. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was, um, I tell you, those are, that's always a great group because, places like boulder you're actually there with people who know what they're talking about so i, I always go into those events of like oh dude you better tighten up your game man because you start talking shit here 
people are going to catch you on it. You know, like if you're going to talk about ultra running, you better know what you're talking about. Man, inspiring story. Like, you know, if he went down, you know, he was middle of the road, just jogger basically, and basically hung up his shoes because he was sick of getting injured. Yeah. And that would be Then he's down on some, uh, some assignment down in middle of nowhere in Mexico. And next thing you know, he has like this story kind of, falls in his lap and you know he goes with it and and he know, goes his changed his life's changed and like so many other lives have changed too, so right? i mean what an inc- incredible story he would have been in his yeah. incredible he would have been in his mid-40s and he became an ultra runner and a best-selling yeah. author yeah sort of yeah. by accident and then really just has you know this new explosive uh you know barefoot movement or minimalist movement has come about and a lot due to him really and uh you know it's awesome it's got it's got like everything to do with that book which is pretty much sure for sure yeah so i ran and so i ran in these like new balance like minimal issues this week you know just did my like three to five mile little jogs on the mountain trails around here in missoula and it's i must say it's pretty cool how 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 was it like did you find are you changing your gait as i think so a little bit a little bit and um, I mean, I, I must say the first day my calves were a little bit sore, a little bit. But other mm-hmm. than that, it's been no complaints, no complaints. I mean, I've definitely stayed off the pavement, but, you know, just running on trails around here. It's pretty cool. So I'm going to keep going with it. Born to Until run. My body tells definitely. Me <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely changed the way that I run. And I'm much more conscious about leaning yeah. forward, not being a heel striker. Yep. Um, it just being a little bit light and bouncy, even if it means running slightly slower. Um, and, and, you know, knock wood, I don't really get hurt good, running. Good, like, good. Ever. So, and I can build up volume pretty quickly and it seems to go okay. And I, I would absolutely credit That's that book. Great. That's so, great. Yeah. It's pretty maybe cool. We, maybe we pretty should cool. do some, one of these long endurance runs slash races. That'd be totally <laughs> you know, good. Just something I totally like one of those insane. random backyard yeah. ones. That'd be fun. You know? Yeah. Something crazy and sort of weird and underground yeah. and just go and go and just like, you know, chip away at it. I don't think I'm up for a hundred. No, but what about that yard event? What? I like that thing. How long? Oh my gosh. That's pretty sadistic. Maybe we though. can get an invite for that. <laughs> That's pretty sadistic. You keep running literally until everybody quits that's crazy i mean that's a real that's a real mind yeah fuck. yeah yeah well that's a that's a different thing yeah let's entirely. think about it let's think about it and then um you yeah. know i was gonna ask chris just about just maybe to talk a few minutes about caballo blanco the white horse yeah what, yeah, yeah what definitely. do you remember about him from born to run so he was um he he was a sort of a dirtbag runner, I think, is basically the story um, from the U.S. And um, like I, I remember at some point he was a pacer for somebody in one of the Leadville races. So he was pretty involved in the in the running and ultra running com- community. And then by and I think it also an ex-boxer at some point and then got just disillusioned with the scene in the U S and, and just picked up and moved to Mexico and lived like literally in a hut. So he would, 
he the story is told in the book and he would he would up and leave his hut and you know run and just basically run with the with the Terumura and and run all over the place and just live this this total nomadic dirtbag lifestyle and stayed in Mexico I think for like really extended periods of time and coming home very seldom back to the U.S. and then he he would he would leave and get to like an internet cafe once in a blue moon and would send these sort of like crazy disjointed emails to Scott Jurek <laughs> and inviting him down and he had this concept for this race of American ultras runners and against these against the Mexican Indians and but but the way that they sort of came across, like they seemed like just the sort of the ramblings of a crazy person. <laughs> Scott was receiving these emails, but he wouldn't get another one for like a month because, you know, the guy, he didn't even have electricity, let alone the Internet. Right? So, <laughs> so but it's 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 actually like a minor miracle that it sort of all came together. But then Chris ended up getting interjected into it because he met him. He, he met Cabela Blanco and then. And then met Scott and sort of put it all together, right? And they had other other runners come down um, and race. So if we, if we ever have the uh, the opportunity and the pleasure to speak with Scott, I'd love to I'd love to pick his brain about what receiving those emails would have been like. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, he's such a nice guy. He's such a nice guy. We should. Yeah, we'll, he seems like let's it. Invite him on. If he's not, he's have, have you read guy. Scott's book? He's a busy guy. What's that? Have you read Scott's book? No, I haven't. I haven't. He's he's got a really book good book. I think it's called Eat, Eat to Run or oh, yeah, that's something like that. Right, um, that's right. It's very much about his his uh, ultra running career yeah. and his childhood yeah. and stuff like that. But also vegan yeah, diet. Vegan. How he, he came to that. Yeah, been a vegan. Yeah. I think most of his life, right? No, no, not not as yeah. not as a, certainly not as a kid. Um, okay. And then started dabbling like with vegetarianism and stuff as he started to get more into endurance sports. And then, I mean, he really tells the story in the book of how he felt like he really unlocked a lot of his athletic potential by switching to plant-based diet, which is interesting. Awesome. awesome. And I'd love to hear about that too. So, and I, I actually believe he's recently released another book. So maybe he'd, uh, maybe he'd like to come on. Yeah. I'll, um, I will reach out to him. Thank you again, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate it. As a result of some technical difficulties with our recording, we didn't have an opportunity to have Chris uh, give us a proper outro. So please, everybody who enjoyed the episode or is interested in anything that Chris is doing, have a look on Instagram. He's Chris McDougall author on Instagram, Christopher McDougall on Twitter, Christopher McDougall on Facebook. Give him a follow very entertaining. Again, thank you for listening. Uh, Please, if you enjoy the show, give us a rating, give us a follow, uh, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform that you listen to. And uh, we're looking forward to coming back to you with another episode very soon.